Kingdom of Thirst podcast. My name is Abigail Kelly, and I'm here with Stacy Agder. Hello, hey. hello, Stacy. Uh, Stacy is the the author of a few books. Uh, specifically, most importantly, the one that's coming out tomorrow in in future time, uh, not now time, the 24th of June, uh, which is the history of us. Uh, Stacy, how are you? Like, how are you doing? Are you are you? Uh, are you excited for your new year upcoming release? I'm sure you are. That's I'm excited. Question. I am nervous. Um, but no, definitely. I'm more excited than nervous. So. Yes. Well, that's good. It's it's the second sort of single title release that I've gone through as a solo author. Mm-hmm. So like some of that is easier. Some of that is harder based on, mm-hmm. on the book itself. So, but you know. Yeah. I mean, I, I can imagine. I mean, you've you've been around for a while. You're you are a, uh, a, a genre expert, I would say, a, a genre spurt. Uh, you I I, <laughs> I I was reading your books and I was like, I was like, OK, yeah, this she she's got she's got everything in here. She knows all the tropes. She's got all the good bits. She's got all the sweetness. She knows how to sprinkle this in here. I was like, this is a genre of vet. Um, and it's, it was funny because we were also talking, um, in, in our emails about how you are a bookseller. And that just like, I feel like that came through in like, you know what the people want. Like, you know, where your book is going to be in the bookstore and you have like, you have solidified that in this beautiful little crystal uh and um i thought we could talk all about that today we could talk about sure. uh, the themes in your books but i i really do want to talk specifically because we've had a bunch of booksellers on this podcast at this point uh, yes. um uh, too many booksellers i know too many of those people they're all crazy um about you know you are the only bookseller that i know at this point who is also now a published author mm-hmm. and i thought that would be very interesting because we've talked yeah. about a lot um this like, uh, like uh, are the bookseller perspective on how authors can sell their books and how they can get them into bookstores, especially with yep. the wave of self-published authors. Um, but you you've done it. You were on the other side. You, yep. You've you've done both sides. So I'm very interested in that. But that's a long intro to say. I have one question I need to ask you before we begin. Talk and to that me. is, how do you feel about romance novels? Trish. I love them. All right. I mean, beautiful, I, easy. Yes, very easy. <laughs> I think um, they are my favorite genre to read. Mm-hmm. Um, the fiction genre that consists of most of my reading these days. Um, what I love about them as a reader is how much you can explore in a romance novel, going mm-hmm. and you know going in with the understanding that it will be okay in the end. Um, it, it, I, I was having a conversation with one of my, my writer friends the other day about how the, the reason that you can get away with so much and, and like do so many wild things, uh, in a romance novel is because of the, the only thing that really matters is the internal arc and the internal lives of the characters. So as long as you're assured that you have that connection and you know that it's going to turn out all right, you can, you can get so wild with it. (laughs) Yeah, it's like you can set them anywhere. Like you can set them mm-hmm. in Regency England, in the Pale, in Europe, in on the mood of on a faraway mood of Endor for freaking mm-hmm. beauty's sake. And like you know, it's still a romance novel. Like time, space, you know, nation. Like you don't even like it can just be anywhere, anything, do anything with it. And it's such a fungible genre as a result. Mm-hmm. 
like because that sort of internal like internal arc between those two characters and how and making sure that that end you can stick that ending making your readers believe that these characters deserve to be together like Mm -hmm. is like it's just so you know because it is so important like it the genre is so fungible and it's it's so so wide like i Mm -hmm. i think that there there's a certain i i years and years ago i saw this like post on tumblr that was like if you enjoy fan fiction you i there you you probably enjoy it because you know that you can find a very specific thing that appeals to you you can Mm -hmm. search for anything that you want specifically down to the most granular stuff and you will find something to read and it was like this post that was like i want to introduce you now to romance novels because it's exactly the same um and i i think that it's it's been interesting to see these like I, i we're talking about like BookTube and 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 Instagram and now BookTok, right? We've had this huge wave of, of BookTok things happening in the last like three weeks, it feels yep. like. Um, and it feels like these these kids are in the process of discovering that th- there is more to read than just fan fiction. And it's going to give you the same sort of freedom of feeling that you get from that, um, which is like, oh, it's just it's so good. It's so good. We'd love to see it. It's, it's fantastic. Like, And it's interesting because it sort of goes back to a thing that I that. Uh, was kind of one of my cardinal rules when I was a bookseller and recommending mm-hmm. romance to mm-hmm. someone. The questions, cause it, and, and it kind of like goes goes generally to me now. Like, I cannot recommend a catch-all romance to anybody. I can't. No. Because no. recommending romance is so completely sub- like subjective. Like, mm-hmm. All of these, like, again, you go back to the conversation about fan fiction, the idea of, like, if you like any little granular thing, you will find fan fiction. The same with romance novels. Like, I will ask 20 million questions, and I'm sure you do the same thing when talking to customers who are new to the Mm -hmm. genre. Like, because your goal is to find out not only what they like, but what they like about it. And that sort of ties into writing style, how an author's voice affects the story, you know, Mm -hmm. not just like, because I think people talk all the time about romance tropes. And the thing is, like, the, the thing that makes romance tropes important is because all the writers' voices are so completely different that you can, you can find 20 million books dealing with the same trope or plot but they're going to be different stories because of not only the writer's voice but what the writer brings to the story and Mm -hmm. so like customers would be so excited that I could pinpoint but it's only because I asked those questions I asked those very specific questions Mm -hmm. so I had I had that literal that exact experience just like ooh, four days ago. Um, this uh, young woman came in and she was like hovering around the sci-fi section, mm-hmm. and I wasn't. It was like thirty minutes before I'm off. Right, mm-hmm. I am biding my time. Oh, yeah. My phone is dead. I can't even. I can't even browse nothing. Uh, mm-hmm. So I I see her over there and she's talking to my coworker and I hear my coworker say my name and I look over and she she's like gesturing me over and i'm like oh okay so i go over there and she says she's looking for sci-fi romance and i was like (gasps) hello and welcome to my house yes um and through the course of a conversation we we ended up talking for almost a half hour before i just basically had to had to dip but but we were we were talking about how she she had no she had never ever actually read a romance novel but she had just realized that what Mm -hmm. she liked about the books she was reading was the romance yep um 
And it was such a pleasure to meet someone and to talk to someone who was just like, yeah, I, I think that's what I really like. Do, do, give me anything. And I was like, mm-hmm. Um, and so I... And I just like wrote a post-it note, like, and I was like, okay, here's like five authors. I can order any of them for you. Just let me know. Mm-hmm. I love that. And like, that's also, it's interesting because that's actually very similar to my own experience in terms of like how I got into the genre mm-hmm. where like I used phrases, like I was deep into science fiction. Like I started mm-hmm. reading with Asimov. I started reading like Alfred Sloat and, um, Sydney Taylor, but that's another story. But like, mm-hmm. I was deep into science fiction and most specifically about robots or androids. And I wanted the reason why I found out was because I liked the idea of emotional development. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. I liked thrillers, but my favorite, th- my favorite Tom Clancy thriller was Without Remorse, because there is a rather large part of that book devoted to John Kelly's romance with the nurse that becomes his second wife. Mm -hmm. Like, I was searching for these things in romance. I was searching for these things in other genres that I could easily and happily find in romance, um, but didn't. There was that barrier, that sort of Mm -hmm. idea that, like, romance was... So let me step back a second. Yeah. My mom, huge romance reader, read Mm -hmm. mostly historicals. And so for someone who was interested in science fiction and thrillers, it didn't really have very much of a sort of a window into the genre beyond that. Mm -hmm. Seeing historicals was not necessarily what I was interested in. I didn't think it was possible to find a romance that would do the things that I wanted and still be a romance novel I didn't think it was Mm -hmm. it was possible that was that was my barrier right Mm -hmm. and so my mother had this particular plan of hers when I was in college my first year of college I'd come home you know in between first and second year of university um and on the corner of her bedside table is where she would leave interesting title, interesting random books. And one of the books that she left on the bedside table was a Joanna Lindsay book called Until Forever. I knew it. I knew it was going to be Joanna Lindsay. Yep. And Until Forever was the story of an archaeology professor, a cursed sword, and the Viking attached to the sword. Uh, and I was Beautiful. like, yes. Yep. Yep. I I had I had a pretty similar experience, although I, I was quite a bit younger. I, I was a real I've talked about it on the podcast before. I was a really, yeah. really late start reader. Um and mostly because I think I, I didn't have a lot of confidence with that. I was way too imaginative. I like couldn't focus. I was always making up my own stories, which makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um but I also my brother was a huge reader. So most of the books that we had in the house were specifically for his interests. Um and my parents didn't really read. Uh my grandma had a she an insane amount mm. of romance novels. Yep. Like a whole wall in her living room of romance novels. But they were all, like you experienced, historicals. Like mm-hmm. they were like straight up Fabio cover level historicals day after day. Costco picks, you know? Um, and I, so I, I didn't know the books existed out there for me specifically. Um, and, and until I, I read Allie Carter's I Tell You I Love You, but then I'd have to kill you. Uh-huh. And I was like uh-huh. yep. 10. 
And I was like, wait, this is a romance set in like a girl spy school. Mm-hmm. And, and, it's, and it's written for me. It's written for me. Yeah. And it was like oh my, my world cracked open, <gasps> yep. right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and and all of a sudden I was like this voracious reader. I couldn't get enough yep. of it. Um, and and I think, you know, that's that's a pretty, pretty common story, specifically amongst uh, romance readers and writers. Because we, we all have... I was thinking about it this morning and I think about it every time I have one of these conversations and it's the the arts and and sorrow of romance denial. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's a different flavor for everybody, but it's the same. It's got the same yep. shape, doesn't it? It does. It absolutely does. You know, the sort of like the preconceived notions of the genre, whether it's mm-hmm. on the page subject matter or like any other possible thing that you could possibly se- use to separate yourself from the genre. There it is. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then once you bust through, like for me, book two, which I think was was is also pretty important. Like if the first book gets you in the door, the second two keep you there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So the second book was Waiting for Nick by Nora Roberts. Okay. Which I did not realize until later was a category was originally written as a category romance. Hmm. But at that time, you know, it had a pretty different cover. It was like, and it was, it reminded my mom again, still on her quest of an incident that was happening to me at the time. Um, Someone who I'd been interested in previously was now showing interest. And so this was like, this story was basically echoing that situation. And I was like, oh, oh, boy, exactly. So the kicker, the third book in this sort of like path to lifetime romance readership, my mom once again, was working at um, a real estate office and there was a Borders in the same shopping center. She headed in there rather often. And one day she came home, one day during my, during this break of mine, she came home with a bag of books. She reaches into the bag and takes out this book and says, I thought it was for me. But I don't think so. Is this something you'd be interested in? The book, The Star Princess by Susan Grant. <laughs> like, how did she? I mean, that's she ain't slick. That was not no, for that her. That was absolutely not slick. But it was like. But it did. It did the trick. It totally I say, did yeah. the trick. I mean, an alien prince hero who was very, very stuffy, a heroine who was in a creative field. My God! Like, if oh, I honestly it. do not think that anything else, like, I do not think that at at that time anything else could have been more personalized for me. Yeah, <laughs> if, I, I did not think that was possible. So. Yeah, I mean, for me, it was all those like we had that that wave of fey romances mm-hmm. in, in like 2008, which was I was I was in middle school and I was I was a lonely girl with with, you know, like no friends and wasn't cute. But my God, I could step into the shoes of a girl who turns out to be a changeling princess. Mm-hmm. And oh, my yep. goodness, she has this dark fey prince whose whose interest both beguiles and terrifies her. Uh-huh. Yes, please. And thank you. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> Oh my god. 
2000, oh. was it 2008? I think that was around the same year that I discovered Deirdre Martin. Mm-hmm. And like read my first romance, read my first hockey romance with a Jewish heroine. Mm, okay. So that was also a formative year for me, but for a different reason. Yeah. Yeah, I bet. Like busted through, a, again, like here, you know, like forever long hockey fan had this idea that I couldn't write hockey books. There's no way. And then yeah. what does Deirdre Martin do? She writes Chasing Stanley. And I was like, okay, okay, fine. I get it. All right. I can, I, I can, I guess. Okay. It's okay. Like you can do this actor and like, it's fine. <laughs> Well, I that that does interest me because it sounds like you kind of came into romance through like through science fiction yep. and 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 through this, and then it's it's really interesting to see that you've landed now at, in in contemporary, yep. um, which is I mean they're not as far flung as they sound in in romance. All right. things are the same. Um, the only thing that matters is the love story. Everything else is just set dressing. Um, but that being said. They are they are quite different to write. Um, yes. I I personally I I was thinking about this the other day. I was taking my my dog for a walk and I was like, I love science fiction. I read so much science fiction. Um, the idea of writing it fills me with terror, and I have like no, I have not even a bud of an idea of something that I could possibly do because I like the idea of like making an entire universe and all these different <sighs> aliens and all this stuff and time travel and those. I can't do it. But I, I, so I, I, I'm wondering if what kind of your path was in terms of writing, what did you feel? Did you ever like have an idea like I, I'm going to write sci-fi romance or am I going to just dive straight into what I, my true passion is? So I have a whole bunch of ideas sitting and waiting. Like some of them I started years ago. Some of them, because again, I'm kind of old. So um, like I have some novels that are trunked, some that are like in different stages. Um, but like the thing that sort of always drives my writing is that I write an alternate universe. Like, I mean, my first solo single title book was about a Hanukkah festival, but those things don't exist, right? Like the sort of like the world building that I learned and fell in love with in sci-fi and fantasy and paranormal, I apply to my contemporaries to make the things that I want to happen actually happen. You know, like... That makes sense. You know, um, I started... But yeah, no, I started, but going back to the question you actually asked me, um, I did start writing paranormal. I did start writing um, sci-fi. I started, I have a whole bunch of ideas, um, as I said. Um, I think one of the, the first idea that I ever wrote was a, a long extended series about a paranormal United Nations. <laughs> Okay, okay, yes. you can't just put that on my plate and expect me to push it away with my fork. I need to take a bite. It's, Tell me more. Um, I was, so I was a political science major, which, uh-huh. so putting me in the independent bookstore that I worked in with a whole bunch of English majors was fun, let me tell you, um, which is also why I ended up being the genre snob, but that's another story entirely. But like, I always sort of loved this idea of, you know, and I was involved in Model UN in college and I was like, it was university and like I was again reading sci-fi thinking about all of these things and I was like what if you know what if they're doing a model United Nations simulation and then what if there are vampires and werewolves and androids and 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 involved and what would that be so like needless to say like I have a whole bunch of like different started stories from that universe mm-hmm. um either 
waiting to go under the bed or waiting to actually be reborn at some point when I have a better sort of understanding of my own writing style. Um, yeah, I mean, I just, I, you know, just so you know, um, I am now desperate and uh, sweaty and I need, I need to read those books. So if you could put that some, at least on your docket somewhere, I would appreciate it. Thank you very much. No, it's like, it you know, it's it's like one of, I think what it also is, is like when you were talking earlier about one of the earlier manuscripts that you'd written, like the idea of like revisiting these books and like f- turning them into the books they were always meant to be, you know, I think definitely need, requires like that sort of space and distance and understanding of what you can do as a writer versus what you could do back then. Like I have other sort of, sci-fi ideas sitting around in my head waiting waiting to sort of either admit the fact that they are in fact sci-fi romantic thrillers as opposed to the rom-coms they're pretending to be because mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't know if, if that happens to you like certain ideas try to convince you that they are in fact something that they are completely not and you're just like no <laughs> This is not. You know, it's it's so funny because I I kind of caught whiffs of that in the history of us uh, coming out on, on June twenty fourth. Um, I I like I I was reading it and I in the first like, God, the first like ten pages, you kind of set up this. I so the main characters, uh, it's it's Anna, yes, mm-hmm. and and Jacob. Yep. And Anna is a curator uh, at the Jewish History Museum, and and uh, Jacob is of a of a very yes. uh, high minded type of family. Mm-hmm. And he's he's setting about trying to right the financial wrongs of his predecessors. Uh, and and we kind of get this whiff of him kind of his vigilanteism yep. as he is like trying to uh, ensnare all of these people he knows are doing financial wrongs mm-hmm. uh, amongst other types of wrongs. Um and and when we first meet him, he's about to go to lunch with this really really bad dude who he's about to like set up with basically the FBI, right? Yeah. Or the SEC, yep. um, yes. financial FBI. Um, but uh, there was this like moment where you 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 mention how like actually dangerous this man is and why Jacob is desperate for him to not notice mm-hmm. Anna when she comes up. Um, and I had this like, I was like, hey, I thought this was like a small towny rom-com, but are we about to get into some thriller shit right now? <laughs> because I'm into it. And it like, it has a little bit of that. So that, mm-hmm. when you say that, it does not surprise me even a little bit <laughs> that you would have like a, a sci-fi thriller idea masked as a rom-com. Yeah. <laughs> but I also like, I think for that particular sequence, like I wanted mm-hmm. to sort of write something that would make it believable later on. Like, why would he do this? Why would he break this one rule that they had between them? Why? What would be so important? And that was the only thing I could think of is that he would be protecting her, right? Like, yeah, the only reason in the world that he would be that cold to her in public mm-hmm. that would break his own heart is protecting her keep the person you love safe yep yeah i i and 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 it was very believable like i i mean if i was like (laughs) i was like reading i was like yeah i would not want to be noticed by someone like that i would be really really happy actually if if somebody stepped in was like actually no um Mm -hmm. i 
But I, I got that sense of like very real danger, yeah. um, which again, I want to just like if you do write those, if you do write those sci-fi romances, oh, I'm so, I'm here for yes. it. You could take me there, Stacy. I I believe in you. Yes. Um, <laughs> but it's having a moment right now. Oh, totally. Uh, all those oh, all those uh, monster lovers out there, they're coming out yes. of the woodwork on the on the TikToks. And then love I, it, love to see it. And then I love Jesse Mihalik and what she's doing too. Like, mm-hmm. oh my gosh, my heart. Like, I I'm a huge Linnea Sinclair fan from back in the day, mm-hmm. and so like seeing what she's what Jesse Mihalik is doing, like following sort of in certain ways, like those footsteps, and then Kit Rosha, like what they're mm-hmm. doing, like ah. Oh, so we're having this this incredible. It's I I hesitate to call it a renaissance because romance is like never yeah died, it's ever right? like nope. ever it is go, been going strong since what nineteen like sixty six when Fanny Hill finally went to the Supreme Court for the, like the the third time and they banished the obscenity laws um, or something along those lines. I don't have my my Fanny Hill worksheet up, but uh, the Flame and the Flower yep. when that when that came out we that great book yeah. which i uh, really did just love so much yeah I, mm. I so it's interesting because like i've heard about some of these older stories i have not actually read them i think the first of the i think of the first um i think the first like oldest of the sort of um considered classic romances mm-hmm. i actually read was um flowers from the storm mm, okay yeah that's that's a yeah, which is a which is a slightly later era, but like sort of sometimes considered in that sort of pantheon. It's in the it's in the, the vein, yeah. Though. Like, like it's when, definitely when people like... talk about what they think should be considered, which I have feelings about. Um. <laughs> yeah, me too. Same boat. Awesome. Um, like yeah. Um, I I yeah. I think to get back to the idea that we're having a moment right yes. now. It's it's this. I think in the same way that we all we've all become kind of feral with uh, with with the quar and the corona. Yes. Um. We have kind of decided that genre reading, particularly romance, is shame. Whatever anymore at this point. Of course, it's. I'm speaking very broadly here. There's still a lot of shame involved, and I've seen it on Twitter. I don't. We we don't need to talk about that. but But like the sales show it. I I mean I every day now when I'm in the bookshop. People are headed to the romance section, which was a stipulation of my hiring, by the way. Mm-hmm. Um, and and I I see it every day, whereas before it was like getting someone to say like what they're actually looking for in a bookstore. And if that thing was actually romance was like pulling freaking teeth. Um, so not anymore. No. So I was um, again old. I was actually a bookseller when Fifty Shades of Grey came out and like in the aftermath. So like, what a time! Yes, oh my god, I actually wrote an essay about it. But like, basically, like it was so like, whatever you think of the books, Mm -hmm. um, what they were at the time, and what I discovered very happily was a way for people who had these very specific preconceived notions about what erotic romance was to sort of actually read romance novels. And like, it was kind of amazing because at the time, erotic romance was going through a renaissance of its own. Mm -hmm. And like, so you'd have these people who like, for years thought like the writing featured in the bad sex and fiction prize that the Guardian gives out every year was actually Mm -hmm. good sex writing, discover 
authors who were capable of writing really strong and really good sex scenes and sort of like and sex sex scenes that you want to actually read and stories that you wanted to actually read and it was kind of amazing to watch that happen so i'm guessing like being in the bookstore now is very similar to that period in time where like people were starting to be like questioning their preconceived notions about the genre and sort of saying screw it like I want something that I like to read because I can't read what I'm reading anymore you know it's interesting I would say it's it's a lot of it's I mean it's a twilight effect yeah right? exactly like, I, yep. mean, we I, wouldn't I, have I was there the poster for that too so. <laughs> yeah I mean the very first book event I ever went to was the midnight release of Breaking Dawn and I did wear a pinstriped little blazer <laughs> and a uh, satin black choker thank you very much mm-hmm. um awesome, awesome. but uh I my dad took me it was great mm-hmm. um but I <laughs> I, what Twilight did for publishing, yes. right, mm-hmm. rippled to then Fifty Shades of yep. Grey, right, which was Twilight fan fiction, mm-hmm. and then stood on its own to be its own thing, yes. obviously. Um, I mean, without Twilight, we wouldn't have these, like, massive advances no. or the, the the width and breadth of the YA section that we have now. Exactly. Um, in the same way, Fifty Shades of Grey had a much bigger ripple effect into the wider genre yep. um, in mainstreaming it. Mm-hmm. I would say what I'm seeing now is not just that people are entering into reading romance. It is that people are going into bookstores and buying a stack of romance novels. Oh, yeah. So it's like the next. Oh, it's amazing. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's like I have decided this is something I like, but I am no longer hedging my bets on like people knowing that. Mm-hmm. I am just going to buy four books at a time, which is amazing. Um, wonderful, wonderful. It's 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 really really great to see. Oh it's really weird to see, considering like two years ago, I would argue with my my manager about how tiny the romance section was and shaming, like if. Uh, God bless her. I love her. We've talked about on the podcast together about how what, several times uh, she would like comment on something somebody was buying and be like, oh, well, that one's really good. I mean, it does have some romance in it, which is kind of like, Egh, but but the rest of it is really good. And I, so ooh, you want to see Abigail blow her top? Mm. So one of one of the things that I think one of my former colleagues used to regret daily was suggesting that I read Northanger Abbey. <laughs> Yeah. Because after that happened, the way the genre snob would respond to such things would be just fascinating. Mm. Mm-hmm. You know, because then I would, then I would, you know, someone would make a comment about romance, usually a, a co you know, a former colleague or something to that effect. And I'd yeah. be like, yeah, you know, Jane Austen, you know, if you talk about, you know, f- you know, classical women's writers and you talk about Austen just her fundamental idea that you judging people what judging people by what they read is ridiculous it's so you know and it's it's so embedded in Northanger Abbey and the people would look at me and just go (laughs) and my colleagues would be like god damn it like she's doing it again but like I would get the spray bottle yeah pretty much (laughs) But they learned. They learned fast yeah. that I yeah. was not necessarily there for like, like I was the person I remember like, um, 
oh god, Freedom by Jonathan Franzen came out the same day as a Sherilyn Kenyon hardcover. And they were literally on the front wall, one on top of the other, like the way that the, mm-hmm. the, the shelving on the wall worked. It was alphabetical from like the top left of the shelf all the way to the bottom and they were all faced out. So oddly mm-hmm. enough, the way that it worked out was that F was on top of K in that way. Mm-hmm. So needless to say, Sherilyn Kenyon's, I forget which book it was, and then um, Freedom came out, Freedom just above it. And so there were a couple of moments where I was standing up at the front of the store doing my like afternoon greeter shift and like someone would be like, oh, did you read this amazing book? And I was like, no, I'm actually reading this one because this one is my favorite. And it was like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like I was that person. <laughs> I've, I absolutely, like, I, I get that, that way when, when, uh, people ask me, like, well, well, what are you reading lately? And I'm just like, yo, dog, I read a book a day and they are all in that section. <laughs> well, that, I can yep. show you that one if you want. Exactly. Like, I would, and I would, I would be the one who'd be answering them. Well, you know, I'm reading this one and this author, it's, mm-hmm. you know, it's a book in the series and they're doing a really, really good job of describing a revolution and how it happens from the beginning to the end. And it's fascinating mm-hmm. to watch her, you know, as she chooses the couples she writes to sort of watch the political developments behind the scenes and then to be looking at me and going, oh, what's that? I'm like, oh, it's, it's Nalini Singh. It's her Psy Changeling series. Like, like looking at me, what? That's what it is. <laughs> Yeah, well, it's, it's funny. Uh, I, I I do like speaking of you you being a bookseller and and the like the the raw enthusiasm and desire to just like take a reader by their shoulders and be like you're just gonna listen you're gonna listen you're gonna yep. like this book I, I just I swear if you just give it a try. Um, I I do want to make sure that we you know we're we're about halfway through here. I I really want to talk about your experience now as an author as a former bookseller and maybe talk about from your perspective some advice for the authors who listen to this podcast um and and the writers who listen to this podcast who are not yet published um and like that strange space we're in at the moment of like self-publishing and being your own marketer even if you are like in trade publishing and and all this stuff from your very specific perspective as a former bookseller so I think the f- the most important thing to always remember is that when you're talking about bookstores, you have to meet them where they are. You have to understand the language that they're speaking. You have to understand the conversations. And because I think people run the risk of shooting themselves in the foot, in essence, when they try to kind of become part of something like let me step back a second mm-hmm. one of the things that i hated the most as an indi- as working in a bookseller in a very busy train section was people who had these very specific ideas of where they wanted their books to fit drove <laughs> me absolutely beyond banana pants and this was the time and you have to remember the timing right like I was I think the last I think think it was like 2006 maybe all the way to like 2015 like 2014 2015 so like so in that particular time urban fantasy was slanting heavily towards the romance genre and so when we talk about bookstores we talk about um 
the sort of um the geography no the the oh god um each person in charge of a section is going to have their own way of running it they're gonna Mm -hmm. you know they're going to see what belongs and what doesn't based on what they believe their version of the genre is you know and that will change based on the store especially if it's an independent and if a thing doesn't fit into their idea of what the section is if a book doesn't end up somewhere else it's not going in the store so what would happen in my particular experience was in a lot of different situations the very specifically minded person in charge of the science fiction section had a very particular idea of what he thought science fiction should be and that didn't involve kissing it did not involve urban fantasy it did not involve a lot of the newer books with um with publishers that didn't look to him like science fiction publishers again this was like ages ago but so there was another but there was one other option and the other option was to be shelved in romance because my vision of what romance was was bigger than what the person in charge of science fiction's vision of what science fiction was and what would happen on a semi-regular basis authors would come into the store and be annoyed that their books were in the romance section and there was constant conversation about no actually here's the problem it's either it's here or it's not in the store and you know at that point in time i would be able to like pull out records and be like okay you see how this book is selling here yeah, I, I that's something. So we 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 had been closed uh, to in store browsing up until like a week ago, pretty much. Um, and we've been doing concierge book selling service at the window, which was actually quite fun and really boned up my uh, my my book selling skills. Um, but um, we just opened up, and to do that, we took the time to just completely reorganize the entire store, moved every single section at least twice, you know, bringing in a ton of inventory, putting in new sections, get rid of, getting rid of some sections, like going through what our consignment is and what we haven't sold in 10 years mm-hmm. and all this stuff, right? And one of the conversations we, we've been having again and again is, okay, what section should this be? Yep. And particularly, I'm now in charge of the romance section. Um, that's my baby. And I, 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 I was in charge of also pulling all the romance that we previously had in paperback fiction yep. or, you know, in, in science fiction yeah, yeah. fantasy. And it's, it's been interesting to have conversations with my coworkers because, you know, we'll, we'll pull a book out or we get, we'll get a new book in and my manager will come to me and say like, okay, should this be in fiction or should this be in romance? And a lot of times it has come down to not even the strict definition of like, okay, does it have a happy ending? Because this is a bookstore. The, the real conversation is where is it going to sell? Yep. Mm-hmm. And that's it, right? Yep. That's it. I I want to sell your book. Believe exactly. me, I want like to sell your book. Exactly. Yeah, you don't want a book gathering dust on the shelf. Like it's it it does it serves nobody at all when that happens. No. 
Um, so it's it it's it's interesting that you know things haven't changed no. <laughs> like, Not at all. At all. <laughs> um, which I like is in one way it's like of course that I book selling as an industry book making and book publishing hasn't changed in like 500 years but no but, still yeah. it's still surprising no it's it's well it's also people right like it's also like what people want where people want their things to be like and I think because I spent so much time on the other side I have a very sort of um different understanding of what goes on behind the scenes like the other thing we were talking about self-publishing earlier, one of the things that I find important to know as an author is the thing that drove me absolutely batty when answering the phone, talking to a self-published author and being like, this is a very important question I need to know and you need to know it in order to talk to me about getting something into the store, which is, who is your distributor? Five years ago... <laughs> There was a different, you know, there was a variety of different answers and now there's a different answer. But the thing is, if a self-published author wants to get into an independent store with one buyer, it is absolutely crucial for them to understand, to know who their distributor is. Whether, you know, like, and it's, it's a hard thing to think about, but I think it's an important thing to know. And I think that like, it's an important thing for me to be able to know in order to talk to other people about, in, or to talk to booksellers about my book. Yes, you can easily get it through, you know, Ingram. It's easy. It's there. Like, not a problem. Like, you know, you don't have to go through the publisher. You don't have to go through that. Like, you don't, you know, because tiny publisher, right? But like, if you have, if, and I love, um, like, I think Ingram Spark is doing amazing things for self-publishing because it's providing that access. Like, and it, and it has to be returnable. Yeah. I want to stock your books. I am dying to stock Ruby Dixon's books in my store. I have recommended her books so many times. The problem is I can't actually bring them in because they are non-returnable. So if I order them for someone even, I have to get them to prepay because we as a tiny bookstore cannot take that overhead. Um, and that that sucks. Oh, that sucks. No. So many of my favorite authors I cannot get in my store. Yep. Um, and I, I still sell them. By God, I still sell them because I, I, I can get people to prepay if I try hard enough. But it is with romance in particular, the books have to be in front of them. Yep. They have to be in front of them. In a lot of ways. Totally. Um, like, what was I going to say? And like, I think that's an important thing to think about. Like, you know, you don't make store policy. Like, as a bookseller, you do not make store policy, period. And I think that, like, when you've been on the other side of that, again, going back to, like, my own particular experiences, like, my questions dealt more with promotional items and things that were store policies that um, sort of, that ran into store policies that were very specifically made. No, I cannot, you know, and I would have to say it multiple times because, you know, no matter how many times I said it, like, it wouldn't get through in certain cases. Um, 
the idea that like, no, I could not take your bookmark. Your bookmarks will end up in the trash because we have our own. And it's like, give me a pin. Give me something that I can wear on my tag so I can be like a walking book, you know, a walking like stickers, billboard. anything. Exactly. But no bookmarks. Yeah. So like the first conversation I had um, with, um, I think it was Love Sweet Arrow, actually, about promo I was like do you have any particular policies about promo items that you can't have and like when you when you're asking that question as an author don't be afraid of the answer make your promo items comply with the policies people love free stuff Mm -hmm. that's what I as a podcast that's what I've learned people love free stuff we want to be able to give out free stuff we want to be able to promote your books I, I like again we love to sell books. No one gets into book selling because they're, I mean, because they hate books. Exactly. Like, that's just, like, it's its not that great of a job. I'm going to be honest with you. It's yes, it's, it's a fun there's job. There's so much. But it's. Mm-hmm. You're on your feet all day. It's not that great. You're on your feet yeah. all day. Like, you have to work on weekends sometimes. Like, mm-hmm. you know, like, it's early or really late, depending on whether you're opening or closing. Like, you have to deal Kids with... Kids pee on the floor. Yeah. Like, it's like a whole it's thing. A thing. Stocking mm-hmm. sucks. I'm not good at the alphabet. No bookseller is good at the alphabet, actually. Oh, uh, <laughs> stocking, stocking is ridiculous, especially when... Oh, my God. <laughs> God. Did I bring it back to you? Like, just, like, more flashbacks? Yes, major, major, major flashbacks. I'm actually going to tell a funny story. Um, Please. So, like, needless to say, so you're in charge of the romance section, which means you're mm-hmm. in charge of stocking the categories. Yes. When I was a bookseller... Um, Unfortunately, like the number, the the options for category has de- have decreased. Even though I have mm-hmm. to say, I love what Desire is doing right now. Oh my god, my heart! And then anyway, um, let me go. But anyway, at the time that I was doing it, I had like there were like twenty million lines. They would like it was they would split, you know, half half this part of the month, half the second part of the month. I'd have like three V carts full of like books and then a third and then a fourth one to like put the older ones on as you took them out Mm -hmm. and when I started it got easier because I got smarter and better at doing it but when I started like I pretty much covered the floor yeah yeah like literally absolutely I had no idea what I was doing. I was like, okay, you know, like, I felt like I was in sixth grade, like cleaning out my freaking locker. <laughs> oh God. I, and, and it's, every store is different mm-hmm. too. Like how you, how you stock is, is going to be different depending on every story. And I know that this sounds like to a listener who's a, not a bookseller, B, not an author, like this may be like, a, like sand in your ears right oh, now. But I just want you to know that it's, like at my previous bookstore, we had codes. So mm-hmm. one of the like, one of the things was when you first got hired, they just print out the sheet and you just keep it in your back pocket. Yep. So all you would do is stock all day for like the first two weeks you worked there to get to know the store. Yep. But you're also pulling out your your little piece of paper mm-hmm. every single time you pull out a book to know where it yep. goes. In my bookstore I'm at now, we have no codes. We don't even have tags. Um, so you have to kind of know by heart where these yep. books go or alternatively and also just 
inherently, you have to check every single book on the computer to see where it goes in the store, especially now that we've changed everything. So my life has been like, like, like section soup for the past three weeks. I have no (laughs) idea where anything goes. I have no idea where any of the sections are. And, and I still, it's so funny to me when like, I'll be talking to, to a customer and they come up and they go like, do you have this book? And I just go, I go, oh yeah, it's over here. Let me grab it for you. And they go, I don't know how you remember all these books and where they are. And I was like, I don't (laughs) it's muscle memory the rest is just i don't know exactly oh my god oh my god yes (laughs) oh man well um so in in terms of as a former bookseller as an author um I, is there any kind of like last piece of advice you would give in in like like broad advice Do, does it matter to still get in a bookstore for instance as as maybe an indie author um something like that I mean I, I know that's like a really big thing to ask but uh, I think that's something that a lot of authors don't feel is really necessary anymore or is too much work so I think the best thing to do is go where the readers are like your books need to be where the readers are. Um, you know, if you're an indie and it's and you're early in your career, maybe not so much. But as you build your readership, I definitely think that it's an important thing to be in a bookstore if you are indie. Um, again, it's a question of access. It's a question of um, community too. It's like, especially if, you know, there's a bookstore near where you live that's open to working with you. Like, you know, um, I think that authors are parts of their community. And then once you're in one, you know how to do, you know what to do. Yeah. I, I firmly agree. I, and I know it's hard. I, I, I always hesitate to make these sweeping statements because, because being, being an, listen, y'all, I, I get it. It's being hard. an author is hard. First, you got to write the damn thing. And then you have to like, if you're an, if you're an indie author, you have to find someone to edit it. You have to, you have to figure out so formatting, yeah. either pay or pay someone to format it for you or do it yourself. Get the right programming, figure out how to promote it, create your brand, put it out there in the world. Like, uh, cover art pay someone to do that try and do it yourself I, as an artist i don't recommend that um but like i get it and and then let alone think about how to find a distributor how to get it into bookstores how to pitch it to a bookstore how to pitch it to a bookseller um i understand that this is a a, a many many step process that is time consuming it is expensive um and it's very disheartening probably in 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 many steps of the way it's very disheartening However, the reason I advocate for it, even when it's hard and even when it doesn't work out, is because if you can get a bookseller on your side, they will sell your book for a lifetime. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, And I like, because it's not just one book. Like, if you have a bookseller who knows that they like your writing style, like, Mm -hmm. it's it's forever. Mm -hmm. Um, I think, like, um, I think like that's definitely like that's that's definitely something that like being on the other side has taught me as well is like how important it is to have booksellers who advocate for for your writing and for because like you never know who's going to have like um 
who ha- who's going to have the ability to get your books into stores. Um, and it's kind of an amazing thing when, when that does happen. So it's, it's so good to see when stuff oh works God. out. It's so, it's such a pleasure, especially when it's like, it's a local author yeah. and you know them. And even if I've only met you once, like seeing mm-hmm. your book in someone's hands gives me so much like yeah. residual sort of like secondary pleasure yeah. and pride. Um, it, and, and I, I, I know that a lot of authors that I know personally have had negative experiences with booksellers because of romance chain. Um, but I, 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 it's worth it's it. Totally if you worth can, it. it's um, worth it. So one of the f- crazy things that happened um, with, with Miracles. So clearly, like, I was not going into any bookstores when Miracles released. Um, Miracles and Menorah is the first book in the series. Um, one of my friends was still working in Manhattan at the time, and he, one day on Facebook, put up a picture of the Fifth Avenue Barnes & Noble on the table with miracles. I sobbed. I'd lose my mind. I I'd lose cried, my mind. cried, yeah. like tears everywhere. Posted that picture everywhere I could possibly post it, because it was like the Fifth Avenue Barnes & Sob. Yeah. Like my little, you know, you know, my little small press, like traditional published Hanukkah book solo is in, you know, tears rolling down. Did it? Like, yep. Um, (sighs) I'm hoping for history, but we'll see. We'll see. I I have I have high hopes because uh, I I, I want to make sure we talk about it towards the end here. I know we mentioned it up up top and we talked a little bit about it, but I I do. Your book is such an interesting cross section of um, like small town romance meets uh, uh, like rekindled rekindled romance meets uh, childhood friends to lovers to not lovers to, to lovers again, uh, to this. Also, I think you have this, I, I, what really took me about your book was this exploration and the importance you put on identity at every level. Like you had all these like really light and fluffy elements and like all these, like, yes, you, you, it's like almost stars hollow E, right? Like it was, it was wonderful and warm and you got this like sense of community, but on top of that, you got this very real examination of how we view identity and how we use it and how it shapes us in good and bad ways. Um, and I think uh, anybody who who enjoys a rom-com, anybody who enjoys a, a, like, a second chance romance will enjoy this book. But beyond that, I think anyone who, who likes to think about different identities and and how we use them for ourselves and for others is like would would love your book um i i that's where it got me like i obviously i read a ton of romance Mm -hmm. i i i knew i was gonna like the romance you already had me there but but your exploration of identity just absolutely gangbusters thank you God, You're welcome. I'm, gonna, I'm, gonna, I'm not going to cry. Um, <laughs> <laughs> don't worry. It's good content. Let the tears run. It's fine. Um, as I like try not to like cry off my mascara. Um, <laughs> but like, my gosh, um, it was so wild writing. So I think, you know, people talk about second books and like what, 
mm-hmm. what their sort of ideas are and what um, what they want to do. And I decided, I, for whatever reason, decided that I was going to write a romance trope that smacked up against an anti-Semitic stereotype. Like, oh, what fun! <laughs> you know? Because I was it's swinging ballsy. for the fences. So there yeah. I went. Um, but like, I ended up learning about um, the story behind Ohika Castle, um, I want to say, like, two years ago. And ever since then, I'd wanted to write that story. I wanted to write something that was inspired by that story. Because I was like, I don't write historical. Like, I tried. It was great. But no. (laughs) I think the closest I'll ever get is a paranormal historical that's sitting under my bed right now. But anyway. Um... (laughs) Pants don't fit and you don't need to wear <laughs> exactly, them. That's fine. Exactly. Um, and I wanted to sort of explore that idea of like Jewish billionaire. Like what, you know, sort of how would that work? How does that work? Like how can we answer the questions that the billionaire trope asks in a Jewish context? How can we do that? Like, why, you know, um, and I was, I thought a lot about um, this idea of tikkun olam, which is the American, which which literally translates as repairing the world, which is a very specifically American Jewish value. And I was like, this character that I'm writing is literally like the Captain Planet, like embodiment of that value. Like, that's literally his kind of. yeah. Like, that's what he was basically turned into kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And, like, from that point, like, you know, what would, you know, what would he need? And, like, on the other side, you have, it's interesting because I think we as writers, like, put bits of ourselves consciously or subconsciously into our stories. And the part of me that sits inside Anna is me on a project. I get really focused and really, like... I need, like, someone, (laughs) I need to be, like, yanked out of whatever project that I'm doing. And she's so focused. And she so wants to tell these stories. And she desperately wants to, like, make them, make the, make, like, make an impact with those stories. Make people understand Mm -hmm. that history that people don't talk about. And so, you know, the idea of, like, the Jewish identity people think about versus the Jewish identity that the American Jewish identity that like no one talks about the idea of like, you know, what do people know about American Jews? What do people think about when they think about American Jews? And this book sort of, I wanted, so like when we talk about identity specifically this book, I wanted to sort of confront those questions of like, you know, what ideas do you have, what ideas do people have about American Jews and sort of like busting open that sort of preconceived notion for lack of a better word. I, and it was so funny to bring it back to when you said it was an AU, it was an yep. alternate universe, right? And it, I, I didn't pick up on that before, but now that you say that, I totally get that. This idea of you are, you do not couch it in any terms other than this is 100% the reality. This is the identity is front and center. You cannot avoid it. You cannot sidestep it. This is who they are. This is the world they live in is, is such an interesting 
way of doing this, of, of doing a, a, a romance novel. Um, it was it was such a pleasure to read and it was such a to say exercise me. It feels weird because it feels like it's like an experiment when it's not. It was it was it was a. I don't know. I, I, I was very, very taken with it and like how how you you wove this story and how it was so clear that it it was something very important that you were saying here while still making it an extremely fun and, and lighthearted and tender book. Um, that's not an easy freaking line to walk, my friend. It is not. <laughs> um, well, it's it's interesting. Like, so one of, I think of, like, I mention a couple of authors when I talk, when in my dedication and in my acknowledgments. And like, I think about like, but the one I want, kind of want to focus on is Evelyn Vaughn, um, who wrote a series of bombshell categories. They are fantastic, um, aka Goddess and her kind of trouble are the two. But the but aka Goddess is the one I specifically want to talk about. There are a lot of so Evelyn Vaughn's um, aka Goddess is the first of the series. Mm-hmm. Um, they are childhood friends, two lovers. Um, it's a romantic thriller written for the I can't silhouette bombshell line, um, mm-hmm. and it had my heart. But my favorite part about that book were the flashbacks mm-hmm. of that showed the two characters as they evolved, as their like relationship and friendship evolved in very specific moments, and they were the first that I want to. They were the first in. Um, a series of people of characters that I sort of fell in love with that had what I want to call an impossible relationship. Mm-hmm. This idea of two people that really were not supposed to be together. And yet they were, and yet, oops, it happened. It's like, you know, like they were not supposed to be together. And then oops, like despite all of the factors that were supposed to be separating them, not happening. And, like, they found each other. And, like, you see that. And, like, in the contemporary story, they're separated by a whole bunch of other things, like conspiracy theories, goddess worship. Like, there's a whole bunch of of other things in this book that, like... There's a lot going on. There's a lot going on. But that impossible relationship factor, you also think about... um, Oh, God, what's his name? I love... Thronos and... and, and, um, Who's his heroine in um in the Cresley Cole Mortals After Dark series? Um Thronos and Oh oh Melanthe. Yes. Them. Oh my god, I pulled that out. Yes. Uh what is it? The dab dab the this one about the, the Verkner. Yes. 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 That is an impossible relationship too. Also, um Heart of Obsidian <gasps> Heart of Ob- Some bad blood. Some bad blood in yeah, that one. Heart of Obsidian, um Melanie Singh. Can't yeah. cry check forever. But like it's that same <laughs> dynamic. You see it a lot more in paranormal. But I fell in love with that dynamic. And so that's the dynamic that Jacob and Anna were for me. They mm-hmm. were my attempt totally at that. writing that relationship. You know, and it's so it's so interesting too, because it's in in some ways, you are butting up two entirely opposing relationship archetypes. Mm-hmm. You are butting up the inevitability with the impossibility. Yep. Jacob and Anna are inevitable. Everyone around them knows that they are inevitable. 
interpersonally, they are an impossibility. Yes. And how you weave those two together is so interesting. Um, like, that is such a, like, the, the writing gymnastics that you had to do. Yeah. Like, you're flipping in the air for 20 mm-hmm. minutes. Like, it's it's incredible. It was, um, I couldn't see them any other way. Like, they just worked that way. Mm-hmm. You know, this idea of, like, a summer, a summer, like, a random summer friendship that was so completely restricted that blew up into, into what they are, you know, like, um, I could literally write two or three volumes about, like, the years that they were separated and very dramatic about it. Mm, Yep. 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 (laughs) Yeah, I can see that. Yeah, they're both okay. Honestly, they're both a little bit of drama yes. queens. Okay, they're like they're a little bit of drama queens. I'm just kind oh. of like y'all could just kind of like smut. Like you could just yeah. like it would be fine. Hey Jacob, if you just texted her afterwards and said like, "Hey, I'm so sorry I ignored you on the street the other day. Here's what was going on," she would have been like, "Okay, cool, that's fine." But instead of doing that, you were like, "It's done forever." Yeah. Like the drama of it. Yes. Ah, chef's kiss. They are beautiful. <laughs> Peak dramatic dumbass. Yes. Love it. The both of them. They're just ridiculous. But it's also like yeah. there are also those moments that I love where like she's like stuck, like she's like deep in like research and he shows up with food because Yeah. Yeah, yeah, because he cause he knows her. Yep. Because they know each other. They are they 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 know each other in the capital. K way, uh-huh. right? Um, and that is that's that's oh that's the 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 cinnamon in in a in a romance novel mm-hmm. is when you get those intimate moments that are casual but so very personal. Yep. Um, ah, so, oh, that's a good shit. That's good shit right there. <laughs> um, so speaking of good shit, yes. I think this is a good place to wrap this up. Everyone should go read this book if you like rom coms. If you like tender stories if you like a really freaking interesting examination of identity um in a way that's not going to bludgeon you over the head but still makes you think about it um in a way that's really really fun actually like so fun um you need to get this book the history of us it comes out tomorrow june 24th i will have the link in the description as usual please just read it y'all and i know i say that every time but like y'all like believe in i believe in you i believe in your ability to scroll down i do uh and and like you sh- you should just get this book you just should because stacy you're great and the book's good and and you know i think we all need something like this right now uh i know that we're we're coming out of of a grim time but it's still it can still feel pretty grim sometimes um and a book like this where it's just soft and good and and thoughtful is it is never a bad time to read a book like yours so thank you so much oh my gosh oh you're welcome you're so welcome i do love to make people cry that is fun for me (laughs) i am i am absolutely like tearing right now as i like lose my mascara this is the joy of being in this position stacy is that i get to do the thing that like authors they get recognition, they get reviews, right? They get they get a fan base, like, small or otherwise, right? But authors so rarely get the face-to-face praise that they deserve. So that's me. That's what I get to do. So. I'm, like, sobbing here. Like... But, you know, 
now, now it's your time. Now, if you want to make me cry with your pluggables, I'm all ears. Um, brain is not working today at all. Um, so That's first of all, cool. my brain's never working. <laughs> first of all, thank you so much for having me. This was so much fun. Um, I really, really enjoyed chatting with you. I absolutely adored this whole, this, this hour and a bit. Like it was, it was fantastic. Um, if you want to find me, you can find me at NYStacy on Twitter or www.staceyagdron.com. Um, or, um, um, my Twitter has the link tree access. And if you would like some fun stuff about history of us and the extra playlists I made to go with the book, um, go to my Spotify link. Um, and if you want the between the book story about Galentine's day, um, sign up for my newsletter and you will get good friends and good books, which is basic, which is where Sarah from Miracles Menorahs shows how much of a bookseller I was. <laughs> it, it- it's it's the weakness of every bookseller who becomes a writer is that we we do actually have to put it in there at one yep. point in the current book that I am writing my characters meet in a bookstore yes. and there is a bookseller there that is basically the like this like uh amoeba mm-hmm. this like spliced amoeba of every bookseller I've ever oh, known amazing. I love it I love it <laughs> so uh the, yes we have to it's obligatory you, yeah. if, when you sign up to work at a bookstore and eventually you, yeah. you it's in your contract yeah, pretty much yeah um so okay all of your links and such will be down below of course you can find your twitter your website the link to the pre-order which will be in order the day after this comes out so just do that um and uh as far as my pluggables if this is your first episode of kingdom of Thirst, hey welcome I hope you liked it. It's a, it's a Roman Samuel podcast. I know I should do that at the beginning. I, I don't. I don't. I can never remember. Uh, I'm too excited. Too excited to talk. Um, but uh, you can find me at Kingdom Thirst everywhere. Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. You can also find me at Abigail K. Kelly. I'm a loudmouth. I'm all I'm on there all the time. You can't get me away. Uh, uh, and you can also find our bookshop.org account, which, again, will have your book there. Yes. Um, and that is awesome because it helps booksellers, it helps bookstores, and it helps authors. And, hey, it takes a little bit of change out of Daddy Bezos's pockets. And I think we would all like to get our sticky fingers in there. Uh, so do that. Um, other than that, uh, I, I am going to be announcing some fun stuff in terms of KOT's birthday month coming yes. up. I'm going to be asking for some listener participation soon and it's going to be very silly and very fun um but that's about it if you would like stickers or to join our discord hit me up the links are down below stickers hit use our contact page on our website you can get free stickers put them anywhere i don't care send me pics i don't know it's awesome. um hey, stickers are great yeah yeah the stickers are good they're fun one is a spanking corner sticker one is a sexy disease awesome. sticker and one is our logo and i will and send the, those to you for free anywhere. and the discord is fun too Yes. There are a bunch of freaking nerds it's up awesome. in there, though. Huh? Love it. I love it. <laughs> we had some interesting discussions about snake people the oh other day. Um, and it was. Oh, oh, what the heck is no. Quite something. Oh, my God. Erica Hayes. I think that's the book. Uh, is there. Are you recommending a, a Sneeple book to me right yeah. now? <laughs> You're going to have to link me because I am definitely doing an episode because snake people, spoilers, are having a moment. Oh, my right God. Now. That's so amazing. I think it's. I think it's an Erica Hayes. I will find it. But yeah, it's, oh, yeah. It's so good. Well, I'm gonna go read that then. <laughs> that's my. That's for the rest of my day. Yes. Uh, thank you again for being on. It's been lovely. 
joy to be here. Thank you so much. Uh, okay, so we are going to sign off here. Catch you next Wednesday, nerds. Uh, see you around. Bye. Bye.